morning, everyone. As we turn to hear God's word this morning, we seek to receive it with reverence and humility. The summons to the word found in your bulletin helps us do just that. Let's read it together. And I didn't bring my bulletin. Sorry. <clears throat> Let's read it together. Wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and may enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and the only few find it. This morning's scripture reading is taken from Ecclesiastes 5, verses 10 through 12. Again, that's Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. Hear now the word of the Lord from the book of Ecclesiastes. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owners except to feast their eyes on them? To sleep of a laborer is sweet. Whether they eat little or much, but as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Thank you, Ron. Let's uh, bow our heads in prayer as we go to consider God's word this morning. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For we pray in the mighty and merciful name of Jesus. Amen. <clears throat> I'm sure many of you have heard the phrase, careful what you ask for, right? Careful what you ask for. So often as Americans, there's something that we, as humans, there's something that we want most. We want control, right? Isn't that what we want? We want more control. And as we, as we enter into the new year, into 2021, last week I gave a sermon on the, on, the Lord's, on the Lord's Prayer. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't heard that, I would love for you to go back and listen to that. Not because it's just a great sermon or anything, because it's, but because it's so important. 2021 can be a radically different year, no matter what happens in politics, no matter what happens with the pandemic, it can be a radically better year for you if you live your life in prayer. And Jesus' prayer, the prayer that he taught us to pray, is so important, is so central, and often it's very, its words can be somewhat arcane, somewhat weird, somewhat strange to us. And last week's sermon attempted very much simply to walk through petition by petition the Lord's Prayer and explain it. Do you remember the summary? Father, stand out, take over, and set us free. What beautiful words. What important words that we need to hear, that we need to pray every, every day of our lives. And so again, I want to consider to go back. And this Sunday... What I would like to do is, is, is set off 2021 with another very important message. I think it's a message that's really central to the Christian life. And here's the thing, gang. It's a message that is so incredibly countercultural. I don't know if you, many of you are, are Marvel uh, comic universe fans, but there's uh, our, my kids, especially my teenagers and my son, Winston, they love the Marvel comic universe, the, the, the whole world of the Avengers. And if, you, if you've seen the first movie of the Avengers, there's a particular character 
Um, he's more or less than a bad guy. His name is Loki. And when Loki comes, Loki is from another world, and he comes to planet Earth with, in the hopes of, of taking, uh, taking over everything. And everyone is going to submit to him. He's going to be basically king of, of the Earth. And uh, he, he goes to uh, one particular city in, uh, in Europe. It's actually very, uh, very thoughtful on the, 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 the screenwriter's part. He goes to Berlin, Germany. And it's there he appears, and there's this uh, evening affair with all these people, very wealthy, affluent people. And he appears before them, and he terrifies all of them, and he, he demands that all of them bow down. And they all fall on their knees. And he says, there, there, here is now the, the proper position for humans. You all belong on your knees. And he begins to speak of his glorious rule and how all humans are supposed to be on their knees and subservient. And suddenly, this, this old man stands up in the middle of the crowd. And you look at him, immediately you can tell. I mean, this older fella. And, uh, and, and Loki, the, the, the bad guy, is completely confused. And, and he says, don't, you know, let this, this, let this first person be an example of who would defy me. And he, he goes to, he, you know, he wants to take him out. But before, listen to this, before that happens, there's this brief exchange between Loki and this old man that is just really, really incredible. He says, um, Loki says something to the effect of, there is no one like me. And the man, who, who you can tell, he's, when he begins to speak, you can tell he's, uh, he looks and, and sounds uh, sort of um, what we call Hasidic or he's Jewish. And he says, so when, when, when Loki says, there's no one like me, this Jewish man says, there will always be men like you. So there's this, 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 this narrative deeply embedded in Western culture that there will always be tyranny and that there were, therefore we must always fight to be free. Now there is so much truth to that, right? Because how many of us have seen authority misused, political authority misused, parental authority misused, church authority misused, and we think that what was most needed is freedom from that authority. Autonomy. Choice. And this is where the narrative goes so dangerously wrong. We think that the goal is just endless choice. Endless freedom. But let me throw something at you. My son, Harrison... He's nine months old. Guess how much freedom he has. And guess how happy he is. I think he's probably one of the happiest kids on the planet. And his life, he has almost no control over anything. Think about that. How do we make sense of these two narratives? The Avengers narrative, the Western narrative of be as free as possible. Don't be under anyone. And this idea of a nine-month, ten-month-old little boy who's literally, his life is scheduled out. He makes no, he has no decisions, even what he eats, everything. When he gets up, when he goes to bed, what his toys are, it's all there. See, we think that we want choice. Let me give you another story. I was 
And so when I was, a, when I was in the military, I was a squadron commander, had about 120 guys under, 110 guys under me. And uh, I was, it was, uh, it was a, I think it was my, my fall semester of my, my uh, senior year. And uh, I was returning one Friday afternoon uh, from class to the, the dorm area. And I was exhausted. In fact, I think the previous night, I, this was not atypical of me. You know, we military guys, college students, you think you're, you know, immortal. You think you, you're just invincible. And so I think th regularly, Thursday nights, I would pull an all-nighter. So I've been, I've been up all night studying. And I came back Thursday, uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, and regularly, Friday afternoons, there would be persons, there would be a cleaning crew in the dorm area, cleaning out the, the bathrooms, etc. And it was a group of guys, the same guys, and they were always, um, I came back exhausted, complaining, overwhelmed with how much homework and just work I had to do for, you know, over the weekend, and just sort of hating life. And here I was, I was the squadron commander. I was the guy in charge. I had all the power, right? I made the most money. I had the highest title. And I saw these guys, this cleaning crew, and they're just doing their thing. They're laughing. They're joking. They're happy. They're going to be done at 4 or 5 o'clock, and they're going to go home. They're going to go out. They're going to have a good time. And I'm thinking, where did I go wrong here? <laughs> right? What, what happened? Why are these guys happier than I am? I'm supposed to be the, I'm the guy who, you know, I was the student body president. I was the valedictorian. I, I went to the, you know, I, what, what happened here? Right? I've I, I fed in this narrative of, of power, of control, of influence, title, importance. Just miserable. Just miserable. What, what was I missing? See, we always think that we want more control, more power, more influence. And we get there, and we realize it's not what we thought it was going to be. In fact, I, I belong, as some of you know that I belong to a, a, a cohort of pastors. There's six of us. We meet twice a year, and we, we, uh, we have a great time together. We'll, we'll grill, we'll, we'll have beer, we just, and we, we share about life and ministry, and we have a group text that we're regularly, we, we text like a bunch of junior high girls. Sorry, is that a stereotype? Sorry, maybe I said the wrong thing. But we, we are text all the time. And we're, we're, we're just, you know, we're sharing life, and we're joking, memes, etc. And, and recently, one of them, about 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the evening, texted, and he said, I came home today and I about crashed. He says, all my life, most of my adult life, is that I wanted to be a senior pastor. He said, let me share with you guys what I did today. He said, I made funeral plans for a 15 to 20 year, 20 year uh, congregant who has always been a critic. They've never liked me, they've never said anything good about me. And I sat down with them and I made funeral plans. He said, I did premarital counseling for a couple both of whom had spouses before who had abandoned them. Think about that, how complicated that would be, going into a marriage when your previous spouse had abandoned you. I helped a 44-year-old, I arranged care for a 44-year-old chronically ill con congregant. I filled out a school recommendation for the children of a congregant that has finally decided to divorce a husband that emotionally and verbally abused the family for years and was blatantly unfaithful to his wife. And he just listened. I mean, I, I won't even, I'll stop there. It was amazing all the things that happened in a single day. And he think, this is what I wanted. I wanted, to, I wanted this. But I have another friend of mine, a pastor, his wife, he said, you know, 
I think it's a, a God spared half the human race when he said that only men can be pastors. Said, I would never want that job. And then, this isn't about me. I'm not complaining. It's not about that. It's just saying that leadership and being in control is not what we think it's going to be. As again, as Americans, we always, almost always want more control, more choice. And why is it? Because we think that it's through choice that we have freedom. And yet that's just simply not the case. The more responsibility, the more influence, the more money, the more we are in chains. And very strangely, our text this morning calls us to something different. To the freedom, are you ready? The freedom of service. The freedom of service. In our text this morning, we see this idea of control in the form of money. Money is a form of control. Right? Do you understand that? That, that? that more money we have, we think the more control we have. But money is a, and it's a, it's a very powerful form. It's a very liquid form of control. But listen to what the text says. Listen, look at verse 10. This is chapter 5 of Ecclesiastes. Listen to this wisdom, this countercultural, counterintuitive wisdom. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. There's this elusiveness to control. There's this elusiveness to money. There's a sense that there's never, there's a, there's a voracious appetite. It's like drinking salt water. It's just never going to be enough. And the author says this too is meaningless. And listen, our, our English translations are, are amazing. They are so incredibly good. But English translations across the board have always struggled with this word. This too is meaningless. Let me see if I can sort of uh, unpack it a little bit. And this, this Hebrew word hebel is, is probably, I mean, you can't really translate it with a single word. That's, that's the, 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 the struggle of translation. You have to find a single English equivalent. It's so hard to do that sometimes. And I think the, a phrase that captures this word is this. Are you ready? Beyond one's grasp. Hebel is this, is this idea of something that's always elusive, always not in your control, always beyond your grasp. Always just sort of slipping through your fingers. This too is beyond one's grasp. This longing for control, this voracious, ever unsatisfied longing for more. He says it's, it's, it's not going to happen. This too is beyond one's grasp. But it's to say, this too is beyond controlling, it's beyond comprehending. Beyond conserving or keeping. It's never going to be enough. As goods increase, verse 11, as goods increase, so do those who consume them. <laughs> right? Uh, as you see, as you see, and uh, you'll see at our next, next week we have a congregational meeting, you'll, you'll see that I have the, the, the session um, and the uh, leadership uh, has proposed that I get a raise. And I, was I told Sarah, I said, hey, I think I might get a raise this year. And then she says, well, it's good because uh, the girls are going to be uh, driving now. And they're going to be on, on they're having giving them some car insurance. <laughs> I think for my twin daughters, it's like $150 a month more for, uh, for car insurance. So I want to, to negotiate that one. But as goods increase, so do those who consume them. Right? But it's so true. And what, what, and what benefit are, are they to the owners? except to feast their eyes on them. 
You know, what, 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 what just, it's just such incredible insight into the notion of control and into the notion of consumption. And then in verse 12, we're presented, we're presented with a very strange alternative. Well, look at this, so beautiful. The sleep of the laborer is sweet. What a beautiful way to say it. Here the word laborer, it's um, abode in Hebrew. It's probably, you could translate, a, a laborer is fine. It's really the sleep of the servant, the one who serves. The sleep of the one who's not in charge. The sleep of the one who just, just, he just does what he's told to do. Right? And he's just, hey, I've got to get up, I've got to do these things, and when, I'm, when they're done, I'm done. And when he's done, he just goes back and goes to bed. He's not worried. He's not sort of loaded down with all the weight of all of his resources and all the responsibilities. He's not trying to figure out how he's going to make it happen. He doesn't have to find his own way. We're going to come back to those ideas in a second. The sleep of the laborer is sweet. The sleep of the servant is sweet, whether they eat little or much. And then we have a final contrast. But as for the rich, their abundance permits them no sleep. Isn't that amazing? I mean, who in our culture is saying that? The more that we have, the more, the more burdened down we are, the more control, the more influence we have, the more we, we are weighted down, the less sleep, the we're up at night, how's this all going to work out? See, the servant doesn't have to do two things. He doesn't have to figure things out. He doesn't have to understand. He's not running things. What if in 2021, you decided that you didn't have to figure your life out. There is no commandment in Scripture that says, have your life figured out. There's no commandment in Scripture that says, have the current political situation figured out. I mean, do we know? I mean, it's amazing. You read the news, and all these, these journals, they know everything. They know exactly that the election was a fraud. They know that the election wasn't a fraud. They know it all. They know what happened. And I'm like, how do you people know all this stuff? Don't tell me you know all this. So many of us, we just don't know. I mean, there's a reason we have historians, because it takes a long time to understand what, hap what happened in a period of time. What happened in 19? What happened in World War II? Ask a whole host of historians who studied it for years, and they'll tell you probably kind of how it went down. But we're giving these journalists who suddenly give us immediate American history as it happens. I'm like, that, I don't buy it. And the whole notion of a, of a national news, it's just, it's, just a, it's just that whole notion is just so elusive. I don't even buy the concept of, I, I buy the idea of local news. I might have some idea of what's happening in Oakville here. Or some idea of what's happening in St. Louis. But man, it's just amazing, this notion that we've got it all figured out. I can't even figure my own life out. There are aspects to, and this is no reflection on Sarah whatsoever, but there are aspects to my marriage. I have no idea. Like, I don't understand that dynamic at all. 
But I want to, I sit there and I try to figure it out, I try to figure it out, I try to figure it out. The second thing the servant doesn't have to do is he doesn't have to find his own way. Servant does what he's told. Just do what you're told. Now, maybe that's going to sound very unappealing. How many of us like to be told what to do? We don't because we're Americans, because we're humans. But listen to this. There actually are times when we really do want to be told what to do. Think about this for a second. How many of you have ever been lost? Anybody? You've been lost? Yeah, you're lost. And do you want someone to like, tell you how to you know, help you get there? You do. You're like, oh, if only someone would tell me how to get there. I can remember as a kid. Kids, you ever been lost in like a, like a, a store or something like that? When I was a kid, I went, when my parents took me to um, the uh, Expo 86 or something like that. I was in Vancouver. It was like this World Fair thing. And, and I, I just, we were in the middle of whatever, and I was looking around. Suddenly, some of my parents were gone. The sense of, I am lost. Like, I have no idea. And you're short, and you're, I was probably, I would have been like six, seven or eight years old. I had no idea. couldn't see anything. And you're dying for someone to grab you by the hand and lead you because we're lost. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me was lost, but now I'm found. So by definition, to be a Christian is to be lost. By definition, as Christians, we should show up in our small groups. We should call up brothers and sisters in the Lord and say, I'm so lost right now. That's okay. You can come here on Sunday mornings and be lost. In fact, I would encourage you to give up the illusion that you're not lost. Okay? We want to be told what to do when we're lost. We want to be told what to do when we're sick. Now, 2020, sickness been in the news at all? And we're all dying for a vaccine. We're all dying for this, this, hey, how can we overcome this thing? When we're sick, we want someone to, to help make us better. Yeah, take two of these and call me in the morning. We want someone to help us when we're sick. Christians, are you sick? What did Jesus say? It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I did not come to call the righteous. Isn't that beautiful? He didn't come to call the righteous. He came to call sinners. He came to call the sick. We, need, we want to be told when we, when we build something. Parents, how many of you, it's the night before Christmas, you've had a, a glass or two too much, right? And you get to the, you get to the, 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 the toy for your... your your uh, son or daughter, and what are, the, what are the dreaded words on the box? Some assembly required. And you're like, oh, I got this, no problem, watch this. You get out the, I'll go, I go out to the garage and I get my $20 tool set from Kmart, because I'm just such a handyman. And I, oh, I got this, and you go to do it, and I don't even just read any of the instructions, and you sit there messing with it, and you're like, would someone please show me how to do this? Right? We want someone to tell us what to do. We don't, we're done finding our own way. You know, one of the things I love most now, Sarah and I, our best arguments are in the car. But we've finally gotten into the place in our marriage where we actually, we're actually in this place of relative synergy, where I'm the driver and she's the navigator. In fact, I love it now. She tells me where to go. Turn left here. Okay. It's wonderful to be told what to do. Speed up, get off, get off in this exit. Okay, yeah. She's like this human Google voice, you know, this human Google voice, you know, navigator. 
turn left in 300 feet. Okay, great. All right, all right, left, all right. Does that make sense? Listen, the sleep of the laborer, of the servant, is sweet. The servant does not have to figure things out. He gives, and this isn't to say you can't ask. You can't, it's okay to wonder. This isn't to say, hey, look, you know, don't, don't ever ask, don't ask any questions. Be quiet. That's not what the text is saying. It's saying, look, you don't have to have a figure. It's okay to ask, come into my office, we'll weep together. I don't understand this. I say, you know, I don't understand either. Let's just cry. Let's talk to the Lord. Let's pray about it. And we may, who knows, maybe we can see God's fingerprints in it. We're like, hey, you know what? This is what God's up to. Isn't this amazing? And it's a great, I love it. That's what I love about counseling. So maybe we'll see. Maybe we will interpret it. Maybe we will figure it out. But maybe we won't. And it's okay. You come in and say, I've lost my way. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what to do in my marriage. I don't know what to do in my family situation right now. It's so terrible. My mom just died. Inheritance. Everyone's just arguing about it. I don't know what to do. It's like a nuclear bomb's gone off in my family. My siblings are acting in ways I've never seen them. Everyone's fighting over the money. What do I do? Help me find my way. And I, we'll, 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 do what, we'll do what Jesus tells us to do. I don't know about this or about this, but Jesus says love. And we're to figure out what love looks like in this particular situation. The beauty of service is that you simply do what you're told to do. And Jesus does that in the Gospels. He gives us, he is our master and our Lord. He tells us very clearly what we are to do. In the fog and friction of life, in the trenches, we have just bombs are going off. He gives us orders. Go there, do this. And it's so liberating. Do you hear that? It's liberating. The liberty, the freedom of serving. The liberty of not having to have my life figured out. The freedom of not having to find my own way. So let me conclude with this. It was in my 30s that Sarah and I, uh, that, that, that I had, I had uh, early 30s, I started to have back pain, like lower back pain. And I would do various core exercises. In fact, all my life I was in athletics in high school and I was in the military and, and just enjoyed being physically active. And, uh, and I kind of prided myself on knowing how to work out. Go to the gym and, and uh, I know what to do, knew how to use the various equipment, etc. But I started to have back pain. And so I started to do these various core exercises that were supposed to improve my back pain. And it didn't work. In fact, it didn't work at all. In fact, I wonder if it almost made it worse. And then meanwhile, Sarah had been going to the same gym, and she encouraged me to go to one of the classes, the, the, the core classes, that were offered at the gym. And I, you know, of course, I reminded her how, how lame those, those classes are. You know what I mean? You go in there, it's, they're girly classes, and you know, I don't want to... Just, you know, that's just, that's not, those are, those are for pathetic people who don't, who, who need to be told how to work out. But the back pain persisted. And then one day, sheepishly, I, I signed up for a class. And I remember walking in there and I tried to, you know, my 6'2 blonde guy walks in and I'm like one of three guys in the class. And, uh, and he started doing these various exercises, and this lady who's up there, and she's just like so happy to be there. And, and she's just, she t she's like tireless. So let's do 50 more, come on! You know what I mean? And, and, and do whatever. And I found that it actually started to work. Imagine that. Here I was being, I was paying money to have someone tell me what to do. And it worked. 
I experienced freedom. As Jim mentioned earlier, the earliest Christians had a three-word creed, a three-word confession. Jesus is Lord. They actually believed that he had overcome all evil, death itself and the evil one. All of the sin and evil within them and around them, that he had acted in a final and decisive way. And they loved that he was in charge, that he was at the right hand of the Father. There was no one more deserving. Who more than the one who is the lamb should be the lion? Who more than, Je- who more than the one who had experienced all wrath undeservedly, who was innocent? Who more than the one who was all wise should be at the right hand of the Father, reigning at the helm of the cosmos? And they bowed their knee so wondrously, so willingly. They said, I too, I get to be a follower. I get to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, I don't need to figure out my life. Thank God I don't have to find my own way anymore. Brothers and sisters, Have you bowed your knee to the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't care how long you've gone to church. I want to know, have you surrendered? What areas of your life, those of you who have, I know I'm a Christian, I do. What areas of your life do you need to say, look, I need to bow my knee in this area. I need to surrender. I need to stop figuring this out. I need to stop finding my own way, thinking I know better. And I need to bow before his merciful and mighty reign. Brothers and sisters, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we give you such thanks for the beauty of the the, the countercultural, the counterintuitive wisdom of your word. It's so wonderful, Father, to see the simplicity and the, the liberty, the freedom that is found in service to you. Oh, Father, so, so every voice inside us and every, every voice around us is, is, is demanding, is calling us to, to an elusive freedom to a pot at the end of the rainbow, this pursuit of choice that only enslaves. Well, Father, I pray that you indeed would free us from having to figure our lives out. Father, you would free us from having to find our own way and that we would simply follow the Lord Jesus. Father, we, we love you, but we love you only because you have first loved us. We don't know why you have brought us into your family. Father, we're no better than anybody else, but you have, you've adopted us, you've cleansed us. You've given us your name through baptism. And we long, we long to be more like your son, Jesus. Father, please be at work in us, we pray in his name. Amen.